Hello, and welcome to Furloughed, defining moments worth talking about. I'm your host, Leonard Cochran, and of course, we've got Steve Otterstrom with us. How are you doing this week, Steve? I'm doing well. I, I think I, I say that at the beginning of every every week. Um, but yeah, this has been an interesting week. A lot of, a lot of things happen. I, I have um, become a beekeeper, so we'll... We'll see if my new several hundred friends stick around, but um, uh, <laughs> I feel like as this furlough goes on and on, I, I, I keep finding other things that I've, I've wanted to do for a long time, and then I start doing them, and I then I realize they actually take up a lot of work, and so yes. um, when this furlough started, I, I felt like I would have all the time in the world, and and now I've I've come to the point that I'm just overloaded and exhausted again. <laughs> well, I don't know that I've reached the point that you have as far as being exhausted, but certainly doing a lot of work around the house on my honeydew list. Uh, and I don't want to bore you with all that. I'm, I'm anxious to jump into our podcast today. So uh, let's go ahead. I want to set this up. We've got a special guest with us, and I want to introduce him to you. Uh, this is, ladies and gentlemen, Paul Cherry. So let me tell you a little bit about Paul, and then we'll bring him in to speak to us. So Paul Cherry, if you're not familiar with him, he's the president and founder of the sales and sales leadership training firm called Performance Based Results, pbresults.com. And he's been featured in more than 250 publications, include Inc. Magazine, Investors Business Daily, Selling Power, Kiplinger's Personal Finance, everywhere it sounds like. And Paul is the best-selling author of a book called Questions That Sell, The Performance Process of, to Discovering Your Customers Really Want. Boy, sorry about that, Paul. I, I'm, I'm just used to calling it Questions That Sell. <laughs> He's also authored a, another book that's called Questions That Get Results, Innovative Ideas Managers Can Use to Empower Their Team, and then also The Ultimate Sales Pro. And Paul has trained 183 of the Fortune 500 companies and plus more than 1,000 entrepreneurial, small and mid-sized cutting-edge businesses looking to dominate the niche markets. And real quick before we have Paul jump in, little story about Paul, just so you know why we've got him on here today. Number one, uh, we've used his materials for the hotel company I work for, one of our brands. We gave away questions that sell in our first sales training class that we did, our 101 sales for one of our particular brands. So we've given away hundreds of his books. And so great guy to, great reference and great guy to follow up on if you're not familiar with him. Again, PB Results, we'll give that out a little bit later as a reminder what his website is. But Paul was nice enough to comment on a post that I had on LinkedIn, and you've heard us talk about it quite a bit, about the emotional curve of change. And he made reference that how he could kind of see that relating to the five stages of grief. And so I invited Paul to jump in and talk to us about the five stages of grief. And so that's what we'll be doing today. So, Paul, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, if you want a little more introduction, feel free to explain anything <laughs> I might have missed. <laughs> I was like, hey, when I heard that introduction, I'm like, I want to meet that guy. And then I'm like, oh, is that me? <laughs> So thank you. I appreciate that. Well, it's so good having you here, Paul. Appreciate you coming and thank joining you. Steve and I today. 
So I, I know my first question that I've got to ask is I, I know you as the sales guy. You are the source of sales in a lot of my world, and I've done mm -hmm. a lot of sales training over the years. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about your experience with the five stages of grief. Where, where did this come from? Uh, how do you have this knowledge? <laughs> do you use it sales or what? <laughs> it's a bit of curveball for me. Yeah, it's just, it's well, just like post-sales grief that we're talking about. <laughs> you bought something you didn't really want to get. <laughs> oh, let me open up and pour my heart out, right? But <laughs> it's, uh, you know, one of the things early in my career, like, like most folks, when you're in your 20s, you jump around a lot of jobs until you really can anchor and find yourself. And when I was in transition, uh, I, I was got to work in a graveyard just to kind of bring some revenue in. So really, it was actually um, a wonderful opportunity to work outdoors, interact with the public, but uh, and really just challenge myself physically. But, you know, death is just something that we have to recognize and accept. And I've always been intrigued by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's book, Ground, Groundbreaking breaking book in 1969 on death and dying. And it's those five stages. But I see how it really applies, you know, in our own world in terms of how we learn to grieve, let go, and embrace and drive change. So, you know, it's just something I th threaded personally and professionally for all of us. Hmm. Well, that's great. Well, we definitely want to dig into that and talk about how we can apply some of these principles or what we can learn from these principles anyhow, and how it currently applies to us, whether we are laid off on furlough, and at least all of us are going through this pandemic or this crazy situation we're in. Yeah. So Lix, if you would, Paul, kind of start us in the early steps of this, because some, some folks might not be as versed. Yes. I, I, I've heard of the five stages of grief, and I've heard them run through before, but I, I, I just scratched the surface. And so kind of introduce yes. those, if you would, and begin to unpack those for us. So the, the first stage of the five stages is called denial and isolation. And all that means is it's basically a coping mechanism. So when you're hit with some sort of trauma, life-changing event, or just something that is really a disruption to you, uh, whether it's a loss of a job or something, it's, it's immediately we get into this confusion, uh, shock, fear of, mm. of just how do we react or avoidance. That's all it is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well and that definitely sounds like the COVID-19 virus is denial and then isolation, right? Well, here's no, an example. A little, a little bit different, though. Well, and yeah. it's interesting because just as I was getting my, you know, once a year I get my physical and, you know, it was the three-year turnaround to get my colonoscopy. So just before all this hit back in mid-February, I remember just for the elective surgery, the surgeon comes in, he had some time, he's chatting with me. And of course, everybody's talking about the coming, coming pandemic. He was in denial, like, you know, people have to be accountable for this. Why are we starting to shut things down? And then, and then the head nurse was in the same, same room. And she's saying, yeah, I just posted on social media saying, you know what, what why are we doing this? Because it's nothing more than, than the flu. Here were our health professionals mm -hmm. going yeah. through the denial phase as well. Mm. So it's a, you know, we're all, even myself, I had an opportunity in March, uh, the opportunity to go to Winnipeg and they canceled two weeks before. And they're like, 
we're afraid you might bring the, you know, the virus with you. And I'm like, are you kidding me? What do you think? What do you think? I'm an alien or something? (laughs) I was in denial. So, yeah. So there's no escape in denial, huh? (laughs) That's right. And I think what's happening now is, why am I giving you those examples? Because, you know, with now it's May, I think a lot of us, when it comes to the COVID-19, are now beyond the denial isolation phase, which really is the next phase, which is anger. And anger is just the frustration, the anxiety, the doubt, the fear. What are, what are we going to do? When are we going to get back to our jobs? When are we going to be dealing with our customers again and life back to normal? So there's sort of that. That's the phase I think we're struggling with right now, number two, anger. Okay. That's the emotional driver. And I heard Steve's voice pop in there for a minute. Steve, were you going to say something? Or ask oh, something? I think I was, but but nothing as cool as this. <laughs> right. but it, it is interesting as you're talking, just thinking about how I've always felt like you could educate yourself out of an emotion, you know, um, such mm. as denial or such as anger. And in your example, Paul, you bring up that it didn't matter that uh, these individuals had been through maybe decades of, of, of formal schooling and yeah. and still are equally as susceptible to each one of these things. You know, that um, I've often heard you can't choose what happens to you, but you can choose how you react to them. And it sounds like as we go through this, that's not necessarily true. That's right. And I mean, you know, the knowledge was out there. It was just, you know, in front of our eyes and it just... Um, we're struggling with it. So you're mm-hmm. seeing right now too with this frustration and anxiety phase is that now you're seeing these people who are, are, are protesting and calling it tyranny. When are we going to open up the beaches and, yeah. you know, the restaurants and everything else. So, you know, people are pushing and fighting about what they're going to do. And uh, all of us, even about when we're going to return back to normal, is it going to be a new way? So I think you're right. How do we, we got to look at this anger. We got to look at our emotions, uh, sift through these emotions, uh, because the next phase is what we call the bargaining phase. That's the third phase. And what does that mean? It really means about trying to struggle through and find meaning. Um, and what I mean by that is really how do we negotiate? Common thread is bargaining. You'll hear about how when we're faced with a trauma will negotiate. And a lot of times you'll hear negotiate with God. Well, what if I, you know, if I do this, you know, <laughs> everything will get back to normal. I promise I'll be the best spouse. I'll be the best father. I'll be the best this and that. It's <laughs> yeah. the bargaining phase. You know? Yeah. Uh, it's a wishing, hoping, praying is the bargaining mm-hmm. phase. I wonder if that phase is, is where we see maybe lasting change that comes out of it. And one of the things that we're, we're constantly talking about in this furloughed podcast is moments that define us or moments that change us um, is, is maybe bargaining where we do come out of some of these things a little different, or is it just something that, that happens in the moment? And then if things get better, we forget about it. If things get worse, we go, well, you didn't hold up your side of the bargain. So no need to change here. Well, that's, you know, because your podcast is all about, you know, how do we understand, identify and embrace change? This is such an important phase because it's the searching process. So it's being and it's struggling through 
you know, whatever barriers, you know, in terms of, okay, for some of us, you know, the small businesses, for example, where they're struggling in terms of, okay, what am I going to do as an alternative, like restaurants right now, what they're doing with the bargaining phase is, okay, we're going to do takeouts. So they're finding a revenue stream to at least survive. That's part of that bargaining phase. And I think a lot of businesses that I work with today are, are at that phase. The, the challenge will be is, is, that's, is that going to just get them through the survival mode or the thriving mode? That's the struggling they're dealing with right now for all of us. Well, and, and uh, this is going to be kind of a corny comparison, but let me throw this in there too. For those old enough to remember, there's some movie, I don't recall what it is, but uh, Dom DeLuise and Burt Reynolds were in it. And I know uh, Burt Reynolds was like in the middle of the lake, fell out of a boat or whatever happened. And, and just like you were talking, Paul, he starts negotiating with God that, God, if you get me back to the shore, I'll stop drinking, you know. And he gets about halfway there and, well, I'll stop. maybe I'll drink once a day instead, you know. And the closer he gets to shore, that negotiation gets smaller and smaller. And so Steve's asking about lasting change. And I almost think that's that's kind of what our mindset sometime is, you know. And But I've been asking the same thing. You know, everybody now in the world seems to know what Zoom is and virtual meetings, whether they did before or not. But will that still apply later? I, I, it's a matter of just time will tell. And and. I didn't realize that was bargaining, but now it gives a little more context for me. But it does. And it's interesting you say that because I was just listening to the National Public Radio this weekend. And it's about people using Zoom and, um, you know, one who's getting counseling services. And and it's frustrating because he cannot connect looking at the camera, just Mm. struggling with that. And as a result, he's saying, you know, the only best thing alternative, I'm going to use the phone. So it, it it's working for him with his counselor. You know, I also find when you talk about bargaining, though, with alternative forms of technology, I have two daughters, 20 and 22. And I thought that, you know, they've both been forced to come home and take online learning to finish their courses at college. And it's interesting when from the bargaining mode, you know, the colleges want to keep the revenue stream so they, they yeah. can't shut down everything. But you know what? What I'm hearing from them and their peers is that they don't like it. You know, they want to go back to that traditional face-to-face connection. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, we have to bargain and struggle through this. So that's that third phase. See? That's good. Yeah. yeah. So it's really, it's almost like looking, well, I guess maybe you said that, but kind of looking for a way out. And because of our desire to be in control, that's where we begin to bargain and, and maybe think that we have some input or something that we can do to make some change along the way, possibly. Well, yes. And that's probably, you know, when it comes to us being able to to get through this, we want to have look for areas where we have some sense of control, just so that it allows us to, to keep direction. Now, that fourth phase is what we call depression. So yeah. part of that, you know, and, and again, this is an ebb and flow. So when I'm taking people through these stages, realize it isn't stage one, okay? Then, yeah, after you complete stage one, now you have, you know, you're able to progress onto stage two. Some sure. people move and flow, and some people may not even hit one of those stages. It's just everyone's mm-hmm. different. But that fourth stage is what we call depression. And that is the tough one because that's where – you know, things, you know, we talked about what we are, is in our control, but then we recognize 
maybe this ain't working. Maybe things aren't going to be opening up by May 31st, <laughs> you know, or maybe that second wave is coming. See what I mean? That feeling of helplessness um, where we're feeling like, okay, do I, I'm now I'm whatever control I have. Now I feel I'm losing that sense of control. This is a serious one because, you know, for many, you know, it's, it's the suicidal thoughts and temptations that, you know, the helplines I just read in March of this year, uh, one helpline center was up 338% in calls over the previous month. This is, yeah. wow. this is real. Yeah. Depression phase. Well, so do you feel like maybe, um, cause as you described bargaining, I had this sense of optimism. That's yes. best in the situation. Yes. yes. And That's right. The optimism phase. Yeah. Is where you go, where you're seeing maybe the worst in the situation or is it, or is it maybe more like grappling with the reality that you can't change? What are, what are your thoughts there? Mm, for each and every individual, it's going to be a little bit unique. So for some, you know, resentment, it's it, you might even be dabbling back into that uh, previous one of anger. So the hostility, the helplessness, how you might take it out on a loved one, you know, or you start, pursuing avenues that you shouldn't be pursuing. And that is, you know, the drinking, the smoking, the, the poor eating habits, the drugs, just the things that really are taking you off because it's, it's, it becomes an escape mechanism. Mm. That's the danger. That's the danger here. Okay. Yeah. I think that's key in hearing it, Paul, that, that escape mechanism is that's definitely, right. I think key. And the good news, at least to me, it's good news is, more and more here in just recent days, I've heard more and more people addressing mental health and the concerns right. about mental health during this. <laughs> and so I'm so grateful because um, one of the things I've shared on prior podcasts, Paul, was uh, I've, I've gone through unemployment before. I lost yes. a job and just they shut down. It was not me as an individual or anything singled out, but just when that place shut down, I felt the drift and so much of my identity was in the work that I did. So I, right. I know for a fact, I went through these five stages. And so that, even though I didn't have labels, the five labels here, uh, but what it did help me sort of mentally be a little more prepared for this situation here. See, that's um, what I mean. Yeah. You see, you develop, yeah. and that's where you've developed what I call resilience, you know, and that's yeah. why sometimes it's good that we have these kind of experiences, little, big, or small, it doesn't matter, but it's what keeps us grounded and can relate to, to previous experiences to help us propel moving forward. This is a phase for some more than others. So each and every individual is a little unique and different, but we want to be sensitive to this phase. And there are some things that one can do that I'd be happy to explore and how you can you know, work through this phase. But that last phase is what we call acceptance. And this is where we start to, you know, the, the fog is lifting. Yeah, we have those good days and bad days, but we're seeing options. We're, we're seeing, you know, okay, <laughs> things are opening up. There are plans in place. We're getting word back about, hey, you're, we're, we're opening up the facility now. Come on back. You know, customers are returning. Those are the kind of things, okay? And, and now is it a new world and how do we deal with it? that's where we're seeing some positivity okay so those are the five stages right there denial anger bargaining depression and acceptance 
and of course acceptance is is our goal uh but i guess yes. where where i'm i i'm really curious here is bargaining is is optimistic how does bargaining vary from acceptance since both would be kind of on that positive side of things um how how do, how do we know i'm not just bargaining that saying things are getting better i'm i'm going to in my mind say over and over the world is fine the way it is or is that, or am i just still in denial <laughs> instead of actually <laughs> accepting you know how how do we how do we what, how do we know we've crossed that finish line how do you know you're really at acceptance is what you're asking yeah yeah well, you know, the, the, the bargaining is sort of like wishing, hoping, dreaming, wanting, praying, okay, which is a good mm-hmm. thing. These, you know, the, you know, the feelings of, of elation and hope, and I think that's, there's a good anchoring there. But it's also the reality knowing that, you know, like going to the gym, you know, if I work out, you know, <laughs> four days a week and I follow this regimen and I go running this, then I'm going to achieve my, my goal. But as, you know, part of the bargaining process would be, okay, hope. Maybe it ain't working. So what's my real acceptance is going to be, you know, as I look in the mirror, realizing, okay, I'm not going to have that dream body of a 22 year old, but Hey, (laughs) wait a minute. What's wrong with, you know, being within my profile of what would be normal. See what it'd be by acceptance. Yeah. Um, It's just accepting. It's what I call accepting reality. Okay. The reality of what's what we're faced with. So, I, but I don't want to discount that bargaining because, you know, whatever your dream and your hopes or wants, let's leverage that because one has to test that out, work that out. But the whole point here, Stephen, is that as long as we're putting in some effort, some activity, some momentum, because the stumbling block can be that depression where we start to hit a brick wall and we're saying, well, you know, like, like job searching. Okay. I got to go find a new job. And okay. I sent all these resumes. I did all these interviews and wait a minute, nobody wants me. See what I mean? Yeah. We're we're a little bit past the honeymoon phase and that's where we're hitting with depression Mm -hmm. and then realizing, well, maybe I need to do something different besides just, you know, hawking away, responding to, to online ads on the computer, but maybe I need to start doing it, you know, my active network, for example, acceptance yeah. of, all, of alternative options. Does that help as an example, what I mean by that? For it people? does. And, and, you know, as you talk about this, I, I, I get this sense that in some ways, acceptance is just when the other four come into some for, sort of equilibrium, you know, that, um, that your, your anger and your bargaining balance out. <laughs> Um, that uh, you you recognize the, the depression, so that's the bad or the low, yes. but you also are, are, are seeing the opportunities. So it's almost like as those others start to come into a better equilibrium, then we have this acceptance, which is, yeah, I don't like this. I'm really not happy. And Steve, I how this is. I kind of have a different view on it, Steve, though, as, uh-huh. as I kind of look at these listed out. Okay. So we've got five of them, the denial and isolation. There's, um, although that's negative, there's a lot of numbness with it. Mm-hmm. And then the anger, of course, is a negative emotion. The bargaining is trying to be optimistic. So the yes. pendulum swings from that negative to 
a hope of positivity anyhow. And then we go back to depression, which of course mm-hmm. is a natural state. But to Paul's point, yeah, if we stay in depression, that can be dangerous. And then the pendulum sort of swings back to acceptance and, and maybe acceptance may or may not necessarily be optimistic, but it, it, it sort of brings a stabilization uh, or brings things back to uh, a balance per se. That's right. That's right. So, you know, I'm talking with Jim Blastingame. He's the host of Small Business Advocate, and he's just well-respected in the industry. And he was telling me about how a lot of his, you know, his community members, you know, going through these five phases. So that, and, and one of the things they're struggling with is that, for example, the small businesses retail, for example, where they're, they're shut down for three months. And there's a big sure. fear because according to the Small Business Administration and, and who is it, Goldman Sachs, they did a survey of 1,500 businesses that easily 35% of these businesses after three months may not be in business. Now you think of anybody, a business owner, entrepreneur, which is really, really is the bread and butter of our economy is that talk about going through these stages. So one of the things Jim is saying, you know, as as the handle, this is that one of the acceptances, well, maybe you need to, you know, go work for Grubhub or, or FedEx for a few months just to keep some revenue coming in until you can, you know, get back on track and hopefully you will. But you see, I just, you know, I say this because some people do get stuck in that. Well, I'll just wait it out, you know, and well, wait a minute. Do you have unemployment? Did you apply for the home care act funding? Um, something that's going to hold you on because you got to look at alternatives out here. And if you don't, that's the big danger of risk. So it's going to be interesting what's going to unfold a few months from now for some people, at least. That really is. And as I we go through these phases, hadn't even hardly thought of it in that, uh, in that way. And maybe it's because I'm so used to looking at my own situation, but um, for many of these businesses, they didn't have that huge a profit margin to begin with. No, no, not at all. And restaurants in particular, you, and again, I, I think it's wonderful that they have these carry out services. I was just at one last night and there was a crowd of 12 people standing around, you know, it's good. Business is humming. I don't know if that really, that is that the answer long-term that's going to keep them going? Probably not. So no. this is a lot of unknown as we go through these stages of, Right. And, yeah. and I wonder if, you know, looking at acceptance is the reason why we have it there at the end is you really can't get to acceptance without the both the, the cognitive knowledge and the emotional knowledge of all these other phases, you know. And, and, yes. And then you can get to acceptance. That's right. That's right. So where, you know, it's it's one of the things that I, I get to work with entrepreneurs, uh, particularly salespeople in the business, the business arena every day, <laughs> including myself. I go through this because I wear the hat of salesperson as a consultant selling my training and consulting services. You know, you look at the denial and isolation phase. It's just like, ah, the person didn't want me. Oh, that's a crummy customer. anyway. I didn't want you know what I mean? You know, he's <laughs> nothing or she is nothing but a jerk, you know? They don't like me good. Screw them. You know what I mean by that den- denial? And that easily spills into anger and frustration. Like, great. Okay, now where's my next piece of business? Now what am I going to do? That frustration, anxiety, that now i got to pound the phone. And then the bargaining would be is, 
is more about, okay, well, maybe if I can sort of like, you know, kind of dangle the carrot and, you know, tell them that I'm also going to throw in this and I'm going to do this and you know, right. I'm begging and I'm pleading. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, you know what? It ain't working, the depression. Now what do I do? I'm hitting a brick wall. And the acceptance would be as, you know what? The reality is in my business because it's, you know, 70% of my business has been face-to-face live training. The reality phase is, okay, Paul, it means embracing change, which means do lots more Zoom virtual training, lots more phone coaching. And one of the things that I've came to the acceptance is I'm doing a lot of joint sales calls where I work actively with the salesperson to engage the customer. That's a new revenue stream. That's what I mean about going through this process of, of grief and acceptance for what this new world's going to look like. Because my business will not be normal for at least another year. I've yeah. come to that acceptance. Yeah, that's one of the questions or thoughts, rather, that runs through my mind as well, Paul, is because uh, here, uh, Mississippi, I, I live in Mississippi right ah. on the edge of Tennessee. Ooh. And so we're beginning to have those talks of opening things up, uh, social distancing, of course, still in place, but opening yes. things up. Uh, there's discussion. It was supposed to have actually happened today. I don't know where we are, but mm. uh, anyhow, we're seeing this trickle. And I know some other states are obviously just as far ahead or maybe even further, Georgia, Texas and whatnot. But what I almost anticipate in my mind is we're going to have some stutter steps as we do this. And so even though we're coming into the light, use that phrase, uh, we're coming into the light, the end of the tunnel, whatever expression, we, uh, for example, those folks that sell material goods, we may well not have manufactured supplies from China to actually sell. So I have an open business, but I may not have product. We talked about the restaurants. You know, I can open my restaurant, but maybe I can only seat half the customers. Yes. And, oh, yes, I have to do a deep cleaning regularly now. So I'm going to pay my staff while revenue's not coming in. That's to- right do that cleaning. So my cost of business could be higher than normal while I have less business than I had before. Yes. Yes. And then, so there could be a, you know, we opened, oops, wait, now maybe I brought too much staff back. I need to cut back again. I mean, I just see that we could have this stutter step in along the way, trying to find that right balance. And so based on that, we, we may well continue to swing through these five stages then as well do you how how do you see it from your end does that make sense to you that's a good thing because a a lot of businesses out there are finding alternative things i'm working with one company uh in the vehicle outfitting business and you know in terms of uh, helping contractors uh, with their vans outfitting them to you know general contractors plumbers electricians but the reality is a lot of these guys aren't actively working because of this pandemic, they came up with a great innovative solution. It's what we call personal protective guards. These um, plastic inserts that go between, you know, in a pickup trucks between the passenger and the driver and anybody okay. sitting in the back. Why am I telling you this? Because I sat in on calls they're making because they want assistance to go from their traditional things they're selling to selling this, this particular product. And just, you know, of the two hours we sat on the calls, all I heard was like, yeah, this is cool. We need something like that. I mean, talk about interest, receptivity in the market, but it means part of this process is being able to listen to what the market is trying to tell us. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and adapting to yeah. the market. This is a good thing to, if you can find an opportunity in the midst of the challenge, you're seeing that with what I call breweries and, uh, who are actually creating um, alcohol sanitizer uh, equipment and products right, right. now. Right. You know, there are things out there. Um, even in my business, you, um, it's less on skill training. What, what's interesting is a lot more of our business is on attitudinal training. Can you believe that? Mm-hmm. Helping people, you know, not the skills or behaviors, but really thinking beyond their limitations of I can't do things to thinking how they can helping them to strategize. So it's it's just a matter of how we adapt to the market. Some are going to do better than others in this market, but we got to keep our, our eyes and ears open on, on what, what's out there. You know, it's yeah. interesting because, you know, both Leonard and I coming from the hospitality industry, and you look at the two giants in there, Ooh, and uh, yes. both of them were essentially products out of the Great Depression. And, mm. um, yeah. and, and, and it's not that they were the only ones out there during that time, but I, I believe it goes a lot to what, um, what, what you're talking about. Um, both, you know, you have the Hiltons and the Marriott's, both families were affected and they had to change the way they did business and they had mm. to do it over and over. In fact, if you look through the, the history Almost every decade, there was something <laughs> during the war. You know, the I, I believe the Marriott started um, uh, doing food production, you know, with with uh, contracts um, to the government. And then after that, they're like, oh, we're not going to have these contract government business anymore. And they started seeing airplanes taking off and buying people buying food and flying off in planes. And they said, hey, wait, why don't we sell food to the airlines? You know, yeah. Um, it, yeah. It's really interesting um, what what you're saying with this acceptance. It's not really a bargaining. It feels like if I'm understanding right, bargaining is you trying to get the rest of the universe to bend to what you need. Acceptance is when you bend to the rest of the universe. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I like what you're saying with that because, you know, it's part of our Western philosophy is, you know, we're, we're always about how to control things, but sometimes it's best how we can kind of learn to listen and go with the flow. You know, something I, I remember studying world religions in college and all the various ones, and I got a kick out of um, one religion in particular because it was about, I was in the cafeteria, and I won't mention the religion because I, but, and I don't want to take it out of context, but it was about looking at the desserts. And the whole context was, well, I'm going to choose the lemon meringue pie. And then, no, no, the lemon meringue pie is choosing me. <laughs> now, I, some may think yeah. that's being silly, silly or I'm belittling something, but we're, I think there's a lot of truth to that because we really want to feel like, you know, it's being more about adaptable, going with the flow, you know, symbiosis, if you want, you know, being natural, it's just being about allowing, here's what it is, allowing life and pace to be just as it is. Sometimes that we create our own stress, probably 90% of the stress we create is self-inflicted. I, I can testify to that, Paul. <laughs> it's it's a habit I'm working on. That's for sure. Yeah, so true, so true. So, but um, you know, it's I, I have you know I, I one thing I'll share with you, and it's from Dr. Eugene Barrison. 
um, he gives some really good tips about how, you know, you know, we can deal with these challenges. It really goes beyond, you know, the five stages, but I love these seven tips. And number one is staying connected with others. Think about it. It really is when we can really get together with people and, and do things. It's, and I say that only because the whole society is that we've been feeling so isolated overall before this even happened. If you look at the statistics out there, the average American was saying how lonely they are. They don't have any like close friends. You've seen those statistics. It's like, yeah. what? and you know what? This is an opportunity really creates people that you've lost touch with. Now's the time to reconnect with them. Am I, I, yeah, I've done that with a lot of customers who I haven't talked to in the last two or three years. Shame on me. This has forced me to reconnect. This has been real positive. And you know what? Business has been surfacing. And all I did was just to say, well, I'm thinking of you and how's things going? That's key. That's but even in our personal lives, that connection, people we lose touch with. And I get it. Our families, children, everything is time consuming. But connection is key. Um, number two, they, he talks about outlets. And so my question is for all of us, uh, Stephen, I love you said about beekeeping. That is wonderful. You have found an outlet to channel your energy. I bet you that's something you were dreaming for to get involved with for years. Am I right? Absolutely. Absolutely. See, and that to me is I, um, I've been whitewater kayaker for 28 years. And I got out this weekend again after, you know, I, it was humbling, belittling experience. Believe me, I, I realized how rusty I got. But you know what? I reconnected with an outlet that I lost touch with. And it was wonderful. And I got connected with people that, you know, normally I don't really hang out with. Um, number three, pr practice self-care. How many of us are feeling cooped up indoors? And you know what I say? Go take a shower. Go shave. You'll feel better, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll tell you one other thing that I did, um, and this was a year ago, uh, and you've probably heard of it. It's called uh, MBSR, Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction, MBSR. This is something, a trend that's been going on for a few years. A lot of um, organizations, including hospitals, police force, uh, governments, um, the military, people who deal with a lot of stressful activity are in, in introducing this concept. It's like a six-week course. You may want to look it up, um, the audience, John Kabat-Zinn. Uh, great move. I took it. It was wonderful. And it's just part of the meditation process. People can download these apps. And I'll tell you what, I just loved it. It was a wonderful thing to get involved with. Even though I wasn't having much stress in my life, it had a great impact. I'm still doing it today. So I would recognize the people, you know, consider looking into that. That was number four. Um, number five, schedule a routine, a routine. And how many of us are, are working in their home offices remotely? My question is how tempting it is to sleep in or stay up late. Right. And I, you know, what I found is, you know, 11 o'clock, and no matter what, I'm into a project. It's like, no, I'm going to bed. Why? Because it's my routine. Otherwise, I wake up at a certain hour in the morning, and guess what? The rest of the day is shot because I just did not align with the routine. Number six, gratitude. Gratitude. 
How important is that? Mm-hmm. And we've all been told, do a gratitude journal. What am I, gra- what am I grateful for? And I mm-hmm. just, you know, two or three things that I need to reflect on. What can I say that I'm grateful for? And how many of us, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for my health. You know, I'll be 60 in, in a year and a half. And guess what? I'm, I'm blessed to be in great health. And I can't forget that. Um, and the last one is giving, giving, giving. You know, in my business training and development, people reach out to me saying I'm struggling. What should I do? And you know what? I'm not going to charge them. Let's talk. That's part of my giving. Well, let's, let's brainstorm. What can you do and do differently? That's part of the giving here. I had a, I'll give you an example. I had a salesperson six weeks ago reach out to me. He's uh, selling promotional products for the ex- exhibit industry. That business is dead, yeah. nil, nothing. Mm-hmm. And, I, and he's asking me, how do I sell? And I'm thinking, yeah, right. How do you? <laughs> Good <question. No. laughs> but what I found, though, is just, and it really, I, I had nothing brain, you know, I, nothing really revolutionary that I could really think about, but just to listen to him and help him to come to the conclusion that as I think about my own business and his business, it's about, it's not about selling promotional products, but what can you help your customers with to better help their customers? His customers are struggling with how to reconnect and engage their customers. And I said, well, it's, you know, forget it. What it, your promotional products? No, it's about how can you create something unique and meaningful that will be a vehicle so that they can in turn reach out and communicate with their customers that they're thinking of them. And he came up with this concept of these products, sanitizing, sanit- uh, sanitizer products, you know, the antibacterial and a little trademark that, and you know what, it's one of somebody, I just came up with $3 million worth of business in the promotional products industry. One business tapping into that market. See what I mean? Oh. And, and it's just about, but why am I telling you this? Because let's take the time to listen and understand where people are coming from. And they'll come to some good conclusions just by brainstorming together. It's part of that innovation we need to be thinking about. Does that make sense? Oh, that's, that's great, Paul. And let me, let me make sure I captured these. So first, it, you said that this is all from uh, Steve Barrington, Dr. Steve Barrington. Oh, Dr. Eugene Barrison. I'm sorry, one more time. Oh, Dr. Eugene Barrison. Eugene Barrison. All right. And so I have, uh, I, I missed one of the numbers here. So I'll run through my list. You let me know what I'm missing here. Or if you'll just repeat them quickly again for me, that'd okay. be great. Yeah. Number one, so staying stay connected. Yeah. Yes. Number two, outlets and expression. So like Steven said, he found an outlet yeah. of, you know, beekeeping. I love that one. Number three, self-care. What can okay. you do to take care of yourself? Okay. And number four is the one I missed out on. Uh, that was the mindful, mo- modify troubled thoughts. And that's uh, why I'm suggesting either download an app, you know, find something that where you can either, you know, meditate, be at peace, pray, find a good outlet that's going to control your thoughts, the negativity, just keep it in alignment. Okay. And when you're hit with something negative, think of something positive, which really, you know, will tie into that other one I shared with you in a moment. Schedule routine. What's a routine that you can do? 
you know, and I, I'm, I'm very much into physical activity. I love to go jump roping. Okay. So, you know, at five o'clock, my routine is I take the dog, the dog's sitting in the car and I'm going to go jump roping for 20 minutes. All right. That's my routine. And it gets I probably me to <laughs> no, there, and definitely doing something physical is uh, not, not only kind of clears your mind because you're yes. physically active, but right. obviously the benefits from the physical exercise itself and Absolutely. Uh, talk about overcoming depression. It's just getting that circulation, the there oxygen and some of that. So great. It's true. Great. And then the gratitude. I mean, look, you know, I, it's funny, you know, thank you for introducing me for best-selling author and this and that, but come on, you know, and I'll look around saying, why is that, why is that clown? Why is that jerk? Why is that, why is that person getting the recognition, appreciation of his, his stuff that he teaches, he coaches on is garbage. It's like, <laughs> wait a minute. You know what I mean? You know how we compare ourselves to other people. Uh, you see what I mean? Yeah. And it's, it's, wait a minute. It's stay. It's, it's like, no. Forget about bench. This is the time in our lives, the struggles we're going with. We need this, you know, be thinking a little bit different. What am I grateful for? And it's those things. And I have so much. I told you health. I have a loving family, wonderful kids. I got a still revenue stream that's coming in. You know, I got a great mom that's still living. There's a lot. I could go on and on. Gratitude. That was number six. And number seven was giving and contributing. Did I hit all of them for you? Yeah, that's great. Thanks so much for recovering oh, that. Good. Good. Yeah. And just a, a quick pause for our listeners out there. You know, you just had seven awesome steps here. You know, yes, we're talking about the five stages of grief, but Paul's just given us seven awesome steps or shared these with us. And so think about these seven areas there. And I challenge you to see where maybe you're lacking in those seven areas. Mm. Some of us might be good at the gratitude or we might be good at routine. I love routine. Yeah. So I got that one down, <laughs> but I might could work on some of the other areas, right? Yes. So I, I just want to challenge our listeners uh, with that and, and, and to see where you can improve. And I think that will help you as you're going through, whether it's the emotional journey or whether it's these five steps of grief, I think that will help you there. So Paul, That's thanks right. so much for sharing that. That's great. People need action steps. Something. Thank you for that because it allows us to see where we're strong, where we're we seem to be on track, and what we might be missing. Because I don't want us to be, you know, the audience to be struggling with these stages and say, "Where am I stuck?" But really, about what can I do to move beyond and have a game plan moving forward. That's what we all need. Okay. Yeah, and it's really key. You hit it right there too, as far as being stuck. We can't deny, and, and we talked about it at the start of our conversation today. We're we're gonna that pendulum's gonna swing. We're gonna go through these differing five areas of grief as we're going through the situation. Mm-hmm. The key, though, is not to stay stuck in one area. Yes, and I know some of that's a little beyond our control, perhaps. But I think being aware of what those five stages are is beneficial. And then you've given us some great tools here. And maybe there's yeah. some other tools that folks can think of as well that kind of help them to give a little bit of hope and a little optimism rather than just clinging to how dark this can be if we let us overwhelm, let it overwhelm us like that. So, Well, here's what I, I would want to leave your, your audience to be thinking about. I'm very passionate 
about questions. When you ask great questions, you better listen. That is what drives me. I breathe it, live it, love it. It's had an impact when I was a kid, 16 year old, I had a therapist that take me through the questioning process. A lot of pent up anger really just was to the point on the verge of violence, but was able to help me vent this out. Now, where I'm going with this is because many years later, as I saw this in the business world on how we engage others, the big challenge, whether it's, you know, in business, colleagues, or in selling to influence to help people drive change, too often our questions of engagement are in the present. And the present is kind of, we get stuck. And I've seen how 87% of the questions get stuck in the present. You know, what are you doing? What's working? How's it going? What's your budget? Who else do I need to talk to? How's this product? The basic, you know, who, what, where, when, and why. And then about 8% go into the future. And then about 3% into the past. Mm. Why I'm telling you this is because you want to help people, whether it's through the stages of grief or getting through these seven steps. The real power for transformation and to help people to really identify, understand, and start thinking about change is about spend more time in that past and the future. The past is the pain, and it's helped people. People do need to reflect on the pain because it's, it's, it's the anchor to reflect, oh, yeah, I do remember that painful event. What do I need to re- relearn that and remember that so that I can leverage that moving forward to help drive change? More questions in the future really helps us really start tapping into hope, dreams, and wants. Now, I'll give you an example. Dan Kennedy, who I really admire, very influential, uh, inspirational coach, speaker, author. You know, he talks about the DOS questioning, D-O-S. And and I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the question that your audience should be thinking about. And I've used this on occasion with, with customers, cohorts, peers, and, and in coaching. And it goes something like this. If we were sitting together three years from today, and you were looking back over the past three years, what would have to happen between now and the next three years in order for you to progress. And then he would, the DOS would, would D stands for danger, O stands for uh, opportunities, S stands for strengths. Dan would then take, say, okay, let's talk about the dangers. He would say, what are the challenges that you have to grapple with? That's the danger part. Then the third, the second area is what are the opportunities? So the dangers or challenges you need to grapple with, address, struggle through. Oh, for the opportunities, what are the opportunities you foresee that you could go after? And then the third area is, what are the S for strengths? What are the strengths that you can capitalize on to ensure your success? You know, I, I was exposed to that question 12 years ago, and it still sticks with me. And I want your audience to be thinking about whether they're gonna ask that question for themselves, for others, their peers, their customers, to really reflect, you know, that three-year moment or two years or one years or six months. It doesn't matter. You can play with that question. But think through those three areas of the dangers you have to grapple with, the opportunities and the strengths. And I think they're going to, you know, we'll all gain some clarity what we need to do more of, less of, and stop doing to help us progress moving forward. 
That's so rich, Paul. Just uh, to affirm that, you know, in training that we've done in the past, that I've done in the past regarding sales in particular, but it, mm. it still applies to anywhere, as you've said. You know, the dangers, the opportunities, and strengths. When you look at that, what, what happens is you think of, oh, this could be an obstacle. Well, okay, that's a realistic obstacle. How yeah. am I going to get away of it? And you sort of pre-plan your path, although we can't predict the future so much. But you, you think of those things that could interfere. And by thinking of them, when an obstacle comes, you've already got a plethora of options available on how to skirt around it, maneuver, get over it, past it, through it, whatever it takes, rather than being caught off guard. Because I, I know I'm an individual that, as a kid, when I was 20, I could have told you exactly what I was going to do and where I was going to be in life and when it was going to happen. Yeah, and yeah. By the time, I, by the time I hit 30, I knew I was dead wrong, and I my I had my socks knocked off of me. I there was you go. I went through a premature change of life because I didn't make it where I thought I would be by that age. Great. And I, I know maybe I'm just a little bit weird, but I like to think I'm not that weird. Yeah. And we can get caught off guard by missed expectation and missed hopes. But by doing this exercise you're talking about right here, then we've got some room to maneuver, some ideas and some initiative. And even if we plan for something that never happens we're the better for thinking it through yes there. yes yes thank you for that that's 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 awesome that's awesome I'll, I'll leave one last example because brian tracy author of clarity of focus and 30 other books he's been a sales group up there with dom hopkins he was commenting about his wife who's a psychologist and she would take you know the five stages of grief and she was like you know well you got to do this therapy and it takes some time to really assess and analyze and he goes let me try so he, his one question was you know i yeah i appreciate it i know you're struggling with, with a lot of these challenges what are you going to do about it she was horrified with that question that why would you ever ask my clients to do that but he really coached to say well why don't you try it and see what happens and mm. she did what are you going to do about it? And again, empathy, a lot of empathy, but then poison with the question, what are you going to do about it? And she was blown away because she couldn't believe how many clients were actually stepping up to really think beyond I can't to what can I do? No. See, no. <laughs> sometimes questions really are truth seeking missiles to move the needle from the negativity to the opportunity phase. Yeah. Yeah. So rich. Wow. Uh, I'm, I, I've got a page full of notes here already, Paul. <laughs> I really do. I uh, really do. Um, so, Steve, do you have any last questions for Paul before we kind of wrap things up here? Anything else you want to interject? I mean, Steve? first off, just a huge thank you, Paul, for, for spending some time with us. This, this has been very enlightening. And, and in fact, I'm really excited to get this posted so that um, I can listen to this again. <laughs> and I'm not quite like Leonard, where I will take meticulous notes as we go through. I just kind of flow through it and go, oh boy, that was amazing. And then I think, what was it I listened to earlier today? I loved it. So I'm really looking forward to going back and, and listening to this again. But one of the things that I, I want to take away from this and I want to do different going into next week is really... Um, ponder on the power of questions. And I want to be mm. thinking about not finding answers this week, because I think that's what I've been doing ever since this furlough started ever since actually just prior to the furlough was where it got scariest when 
when um, we could see the business was just dropping and we had no idea what our employer was going to do. But ever since that moment, it has been trying to seek out answers. And um, what really was the epiphany for me today is that now is the time to seek out questions, to seek, yes. seek questions that are empowering. Um, there you go. Thank that you. will help me create better relationships, questions that are going to um, help me plan what where I'm going in the future. So I really enjoyed having you. Thank you so very, very much. And um, I, I hope we get an opportunity to chat like this again. This has been uh, extremely rewarding. Thank you, Steve. And thank you, Leonard. Well, Paul, yeah, I don't have much to add to what Steve said. It's just really a, a wealth of information. Thank you for your time and for what you've shared with us. And I do hope our audience will hit that rewind button, play this again, because there's some meat and potatoes in here today for sure. Mm. And uh, I, I would love from our audience, uh, we do have our email, uh, we do have our Gmail account available, furloughedmailbox at gmail.com. Feel free to reach out to us and let us know what you've gained from this and certainly want to encourage you to reach out to Paul as well. And Paul, I, I know your business site is PB Results for performance-based results. So pbresults.com. Any great. other way that they should reach out to you or just go through that site is what's best for you. PB results as in peanutbutterresults.com or paulcherry.com. You know, PB, right. the people think Paps Blue Ribbon Beer, of course, which I'm wondering, is that still around? <laughs> I remember that yeah. well in my college days. <laughs> All right. PB results, peanut butter, performance-based.com. We can remember that. Awesome. That's right. right. Thank you again so much, Paul, for joining us and being part of us. And again, folks, uh, take the time to let us know what you've learned from this, what you're going to implement as a result of that. And I'll be glad to share it directly with Paul as well. So again, that's furloughedmailbox at gmail.com. And as always, we want to thank our sponsor, Upwards Unlimited. That's Upwards, W-O-R-D-S, unlimited.com. And they will help you with your conversations, connections, collaboration, and community. So thanks, everyone, for joining this special podcast. We'll see you again next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>